You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. There's a little bit of revelation that God wants to give uh, us today um, that has the ability to focus in some very powerful truths about the nature of who God is, who Jesus is, the power that he's given us, and um, how that affects us on an everyday basis. And so what I'm going to do today is this, is I'm going to teach a little bit on a couple of significant or the most significant things that God commanded Israel to celebrate in the way of um, a feast, uh, not a feast, but uh, as a celebration. And these are solemn times and they're very specific. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit. I talked about this last year, but I want to talk about this this year because we're, we're on this season And I'll tell you why after I tell you what it is. But we're going to talk a little bit about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Now, before you tune out and you go, oh, man, I should have gone to the lake. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't do that, okay? Because I'm not going to go into an, you know, a a deep, deep, you know, thing about this. But I I do think it's significant. Here's why. Here's why. Because from the very beginning at creation, When God chose to make man. Now, this is what's interesting about the creation narrative. The creation story is this. And I want you to think, okay? And um, really listen and really think here. Is that when God created everything, up until man, God just spoke. God just spoke. He said, let it be. Let it be, let, no, I'm just kidding. All right, all right, all right. And so he just said, let it be, let there be, let there be, let there be. It is good, let there be, let there be, it is good. Until man, then what did God say? He goes into himself in the threefold nature of himself, one God, three entities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he looks at, they have a conversation Okay, now I don't want to get that, make that confusing because God is one, yet he's represented in three beings, in three things, okay, in three entities. But they have a conversation and it goes like this. Let us make man, or should we make man in our image? And God has a conversation with himself And it delineates or it separates from the rest of the narrative of the creation story. And the question is this, the weighty question is this, is man worthy to carry the nature of God? All right, stop. Here's why we talk about this. Because also in the creation narrative, when God is creating the stars and the moon, and, and, and the celestial beings, God gives this statement. And when you break this down, this is what you see. Is that God says this, let them look to the stars and to the moon and understand the seasons and the times that are to come. So God set an order. And he set an order for a very specific reason. And when you go back and you study, if you're interested in this, you study about some of this liturgical order, especially that falls in the Old Testament where God commanded specific 
feasts or festivals or solemn days to be celebrated at a specific time of the year. It was for this reason so that these things, this part of the nature of God did not eclipse man. It did not pass us by, but we stopped and we thought about it. Now the two most holy days within the the liturgy of the Jewish calendar are what we're coming upon next week and the following weekend. And they're called Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, or more appropriately, the, the, the time or the feast of the shofar, which would be Rosh Hashanah, and then Yom Kippur, which is repentance. These are what are called the high holy days, but they answer the question, and more importantly, in Jesus Christ, it is sealed the answer to why God created man and is man worth holding the weightiness of God. Because going back into the narrative of the creation story, this is what you need to understand, is that we are not like anything else that is created. We have been created in the image of God. Therefore, we understand who God is. We are able to have relationship with who God is. But we are also able to carry the weightiness of who God is, a.k.a. the glory of who God is. All right. All right, so just, let's, just, let's just look at these, these things, okay? So let's start with Rosh Hashanah. And that actually hits us next weekend, all right? September the 9th through the 11th. And Rosh Hashanah celebrates a couple of things. It celebrates the creation of man. This is when it is believed that the day that Adam was created. That Adam was created. But it is also the beginning of the new year. The beginning of the new year. And these two things are highly significant because God chose to begin the new year. The new year is represented more appropriately at the creation of man. See, it's quite different than the way that our calendar is set up, isn't it? Because we celebrate the new year at January 1st, but that day doesn't hold any more significance than any other day, does it? But see, in God's timeline, in God's season, this is what God says. God says this, that the new year began, the beginning of time began with the creation of man. Now, again, when we look, and and I hope I'm not boring you guys, but I want you to really see this, that when we look at the creation narrative, time did not begin, begin at the creation of man, did it? No. It happened six days prior to that, didn't it? Or five days prior to that. But yet, under God's perspective, in God's eyes, that time began at the creation of man. And that speaks something very powerful about the ability that God gives to begin things new. And it goes into the whole reason why God set aside these two solemn periods of time that extend over 11 days, where he said, stop and think and consider. Because when we understand that he has created us, that this is a time that we stop and we look at this, and this is a new year, what it focuses us on is this truth, that God is both creator and he is king. And we have to stop and we have to consider these truths. We have to consider the fact that God is creator and God is king. 
And we have to ponder these things. And God asks us to stop and to look into this. Because when we see this, what we do is that instead of, of looking at our fallibilities and looking at our sin, what we see, what we should see, is the grace of Jesus Christ. So here is the big picture we get from Rosh Hashanah, is that it gives us time to stop and reflect. That God asks us to stop and reflect, to think about our past, to think about our present, and to think about our future, and and not in a light way, but but in a solemn way. To say, God, how did my, my actions and my reactions and my decisions and my choices over the last year, how did it affect my life? How did it affect others' lives? How did it affect the people that you've given me charge over, my children, my, and the relationships that you put me in covenant with, my spouse? How are these, my, my actions, reactions, decisions, choices affecting them? More importantly, how do they affect your heart, God? Going back to that big question that we started with, am I living in a manner of the the magnitude by which I've been created? Because we're no less different than Adam. Every one of us, the scripture says in Psalms, were fearfully and wonderfully made. We were made in that same awe as that day that God took and created Adam. And are we living in a manner of that? Are we living in a manner of this great, great blessing of being created in the image of God. And when we begin to consider these things, we have to weigh it under these two truths of who God is as creator and king, that we weigh it out in the light of him being creator. Are we living in a manner worthy of being his creation? And then we weigh it out in the light of him as the king. Are we living alone in the fear of his name? We're going to talk more about that in just a second. So what this causes us to do is a couple of things. And we can only see the fulfillment of this through Jesus Christ. But before I do that, I want to to tell you something very, very, very important about Rosh Hashanah. Is that Rosh Hashanah was the time... Like I said earlier, that in, in, in the Bible, it's, it's called the blowing of the, the shofar. And the shofar's significance is seen when Abraham goes to sacrifice Isaac. And he goes up and he takes, most of us are familiar with this story, is he goes up and God says, listen, Abraham, before this happens, and I just want to kind of expound a little bit on this story, just briefly, okay? Because here God says, listen, Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of a nation that your children will be like the sands on the shores. Like, I mean, that's pretty remarkable, but it's, 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 it's so remarkable because of where Abraham is in his life, isn't it? We know the story, right? Abraham's a very old man. His wife is very old. And this promise seems futile. God asks him to move out of the land of his father and draws him into Canaan and brings him into this place and gives him this amazing promise. And Abraham actually has two sons. His first son comes from a concubine. His name is Ishmael. 
But God says, Ishmael is not what I promised you. I promised you a son from Sarah. I promised you a son from Sarah. And so God in His faithfulness gives him a son, Isaac. But then He brings him to this, just this, 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 this story in the Bible that should absolutely just confuse us and make us even slightly angry at God. It should provoke you. And if this story doesn't provoke you, you need to wake up. Because God says, I want you to take the promise. And I want you to sacrifice the promise. Why? So God takes Isaac, Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain and he, he prepares it. He even makes Isaac carry the, the wood that he's going to be sacrificed on. And as a father, I can't even get this. And yet he goes up the mountain, he does this, and he binds Isaac. And Isaac looks at his dad and says, Dad, where is the sacrifice? And I can only imagine, and this is just my interjection into the scripture as a father, that Abraham is looking down at his son and tears are flooding his eyes. And he said, God will provide. And in that moment as he raises the knife above Isaac, God provides a ram in the thicket. Can I tell you one of the reasons why? See, because the weightiness of being created in the image of God came with this responsibility. That God looks at us and He says, Will you consider me first? Will you consider me most? Will you fear my name alone? So Rosh Hashanah, which is the blowing of the shofar, comes from that story of Abraham sacrificing, almost sacrificing Isaac, and God providing the ram in the thicket because of the ram's horn, which is what we see in the shofar. But it comes back to this question. Can we carry the weightiness of being created in the image of God? So Rosh Hashanah causes us to do several things. First is that we reflect. We really reflect. That we allow the Holy Spirit to inspect our lives. And we don't gather ourselves under condemnation, but we come fully under the grace. That is why, and please hear me and understand this, that this can only be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ we see grace. And we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to us. And we reflect upon our life. The second thing that Rosh Hashanah brings us under is this. Is it gives us the ability to forgive. We must forgive. We must forgive and we must ask for forgiveness. If we have sinned, if we have hurt, if we have erred, or if somebody has hurt us... If somebody has damaged us, we must forgive. Why? Because it leads us into this place where we are seeking the forgiveness of God. And I want to tell you as a side note, it is impossible to pray, let your kingdom come, let your glory fill me, and hold on to unforgiveness. It is impossible to walk around and be offensive and to perpetually offend without saying, I, I need to ask for forgiveness. True forgiveness and pray and believe that you're going to carry the, the, the weightiness of the glory of God. 
And so Rosh Hashanah brings us under this, that we go through a time where we, we seek out forgiveness. The third thing is this, is that we respond. That we respond. That we begin to gather a burden. That one of the things that Rosh Hashanah puts us under, this picture of saying this, that it is only by the grace of Jesus Christ that we can live in the weightiness of being the creation of God and carrying His glory. We don't deserve it. We haven't been good enough. But it is only through grace. It is only through grace that manifests itself at the cross through Jesus Christ. But what it automatically draws our hearts to is a burden. And one of the things that God asked Israel to stop and to consider is to say, not how are you just living your life, not who are you offending or who has offended you, but are you carrying a burden for the broken? Because if it is grace that has set you free, then it is grace that you must give to the broken. Freely, what Jesus said in Matthew 10, you've received, freely give. And he's referencing this principle here. And he's saying, listen, that if we live under such a great grace, and as we stop and allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to reflect, then a natural response is that we must be burdened for those who are bound and are broken and are heavy. We must be burdened. And the final thing is this, is that we rejoice. We rejoice because it is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we receive the forgiveness of our sins. That we receive new life. Rosh Hashanah was the beginning that led to, about a week later, the celebration of Yom Kippur, which is a day of repentance. Which is believed, they believe this, this is the day that the Lord wrote your name in the book of life for the following year. We understand that in Jesus Christ, we don't carry that, that, that concern, do we? We don't, we don't carry that fear that we live year by year, do we? No, absolutely not. Why? Because the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus was so much more, was greater than the sacrifice of any bull or, or goat or lamb. That, that He completed that, it was once and for all. And that in faith, as we put our faith in the sacrificial work of Jesus, that our names are written in the book of, a, book of life for eternity. But still, Yom Kippur causes us to stop. And it would be a day that would be celebrated with complete fasting for 26 hours. That would be a day of reflection. And there are a few things that we can learn from this. The first thing is that it re-centers us on the awe of God. That it re-centers us on this. And, and I want to say something very gently and very, very lovingly because we're still tangling with this question that God presented to us, that we, we see in us. Can we carry the glory of God? But oftentimes within our perspective and our picture of grace, we get very careless. We fail to see God in the, in the light of who He is. And I want to say this with a lot of gentleness, okay? Because I am not trying to lay over any kind of heaviness. Because even in the fear of the Lord, even in the fear of the Lord, it is not heavy in an oppression. 
It is not filled with condemnation. It is filled with life. But sometimes we get things turned upside down in our picture of grace. And sometimes we feel that we just have a, a perpetual just forgiveness pass. If I could say it like that. But see, God, He pumps the brakes on our lives on purpose. And He says, I want you to stop. And I want you to come to a full stop. I want you to stop the busyness of your life. I want you to stop. And all I'm asking you for is 26 hours to set aside. And I want you to do it in solemnness. And I want you to do it in meditation. And I want you to stop. And I want you to reflect upon the all of who I am. To seriously consider the gift of Jesus Christ. To ponder and to meditate on that gift. That wonderful gift. That gift that rescued us from hell. That snatched us from the accuser. From the lies of the enemy. The gift that rescued us. And set us free. We begin to reflect on the truth and then we stand in awe that not just in this life are we secure, but in the, the life to come. And, and if this doesn't hold a significance to you, I really want to impress on you and ask the Holy Spirit to make this a deep, deep impression in you that we have to consider eternity, not because we're afraid of where we will go, but understand the gift that God has given us. Not only that, but it causes us to live our lives differently on earth. See, I live differently when I understand that this is not my home. I live differently when what Peter's epistles say, that I'm a stranger to this land. That I'm an alien, a foreigner to this land. Why? Because heaven is my home. Heaven is my home. And so I don't measure my life in terms of things of this earth, but I measure my life in terms of things of eternity. And this is what Yom Kippur would do. It causes us also to fear the name of the Lord alone. That we begin to stop and consider and really consider what rules our hearts. What things rule our hearts? Death, our future, money, relationships, anxiety. What rules our hearts? Because God stops us and says, listen, what it means to fear me and fear me alone is this, is that I'm the thing, I'm the person that you live unto the most. He helps us in this place, in this weakness. And this is also what we see through Yom Kippur. Because the other thing about Yom Kippur, the other side of the coin is this. Even though it draws us into a solemn time, that that time ends and then there's a great celebration. And that celebration is filled with joy because we look to the future. And it speaks something very true about the person of Jesus Christ. It speaks something very true about what He calls us into. And even in our worst times and even in our hardest times, that He is pushing us into a future, that He is moving us forward, that He is gently leading us. What a great thing to know 
that we serve a God in Jesus Christ who loves us in our weak times and helps us in our weak times and our times of inadequacy, and He pulls us up. This fills us with joy. Now, I want to answer this question. Justin, you can come on up because I'm done. Because we sang a song about let your kingdom come. Abby, put on the screen that scripture, Exodus 34. Please. Thank you. Thank you, sweetheart. That girl goes to Lamar. She's a junior in high school. That's my kid. I barely passed high school, and she started college early. That's me being dumb. Sorry. Y'all needed to laugh because I could see you guys. Your eyes are peeled back in your head. I didn't come for a Jewish lecture today. You'll be all right. Exodus 34. So this is what happens. 6 and 7. Or 617. Here's what Moses said. I'm going to give you context to this in just a second. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, This is the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Mm. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents for the third and the fourth generation. The context of this is Israel's second chance. And then part of the answer for can man carry the weightiness and the glory of God? See, what happened after Moses came down off of Mount Sinai the first time with the tablets, what we call the Ten Commandments, what did he witness? Well, he witnessed foolish Israel dancing before a golden calf and worshiping a golden calf because after only 40 days, they were like, Moses is gone. He left us in the wilderness. As if to say 400 years under slavery in Egypt was better. But 40 days cracked them somehow. And they're dancing before and doing debaucherous things before this golden calf. And Moses comes down and he slams those tablets down and they break. And he looks at them. And he's just, he's indignant. And God calls him back up the mountain. And this conversation happens between God and Moses on round two. Why? Because God himself is wrestling with the question of, why did I create man? And this conversation is really just Moses just is a spectator because God again is speaking to himself and he's saying, I am gracious, I am compassionate, I forgive, I remember, I remember, 
I will punish the guilty, but I will remember the righteousness of the generations for thousands and thousands and thousands. He said, man is worthy to carry the weightiness of my glory. This, Exodus 34, is the beginning of Yom Kippur. It's the first time Yom Kippur is celebrated. Because it brings us into there. Now let's fast forward to Acts. In Acts 1, just listen. Verse 6. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And he says this. His disciples ask him this question. When... They therefore, with I'm reading from the King James, so forgive me, were, when they came together, they asked him, Lord, when will you, at what time will you again restore the kingdom to Israel? The disciples were asking Jesus a legitimate question. They were saying, Jesus, you are obviously the Messiah. Like, we thought we knew, and like, we bailed out of what we thought we knew when you were on the cross. We all abandoned you. You know, Peter, namely, right? Like, that dude just left, like, cold turkey. The guy that was ready to kill for you, sliced off some dude's ear for you. He split. We weren't sure. You were a great idea until they took you and tried to crucify you, and they did that. But now, we see you resurrected. And you are the Messiah. You really are the guy. So the question that the disciples are asking Jesus in Acts 1 verse 6 is logical. Because the Messiah, according to the Old Testament, would come and he would deliver physical Israel out of captivity the same way that Moses, a prototype of the Messiah, delivered Israel out of Egypt. And so the disciples look at him and they say, okay, good deal. Now, when are you going to just liberate us out of this, this control that Rome has over us? And like, just get up there and, you know, you know, you know, do the wax on, wax off thing. And Jesus just roundhouse kick Rome and like all these religious leaders and let's get it on. Let's have a beautiful kingdom here because this is what you came to do. Can man carry the weightiness? Of the glory of God. Woo. Verse 7. And he said to him, It's not for you to know. Mind your business. The times and the seasons which the Father has put into his own power. But you will receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. See, we missed something. We missed something. Because Jesus fully answers the question of the weightiness. Can man carry the weightiness of God? He sealed it in himself with the Holy Spirit. He sealed it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
Here is what he said. You're looking for my kingdom to come. But what I'm going to tell you is this, is my kingdom will come one day. That's a future thing. You don't got to worry about that. My dad's got that figured out. There's going to be a day when the heavens split open. I'm going to return. I'm going to restore things. I'm going to make every tear go away. I'm going to make it just. It's going to be right. But until that day, creation, man, You were created to carry the kingdom of God in you. And the kingdom of God is in you to come through you to be a representation that God did not make a mistake when he created Adam. But in Jesus Christ, he redeemed it for the purpose of what he originally created. And that was to carry the weightiness of himself. I'm going to tell you, that will change your life. guys are like, whoa. Wish I had my heart rate watch on. <laughs> Used to tell me, you met your exercise goal. <laughs> All you got to do is preach. <laughs> I want you to laugh a little bit. But we have to stop and we have to reflect upon that. And it all comes back to this. This beautiful time. Because Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur don't mean a hill of beans to you or I unless we see that, God, you're setting aside a time, a season for us to stop and us to reflect upon the truth that, yes, you did create us in your image and there is a reason why. And you redeemed us for this purpose. And see, some of us just stop and say, oh, we've been redeemed by Jesus Christ and that's beautiful. But Jesus in heaven would scream down from heaven and say, you've been redeemed for a purpose and that's to carry the kingdom inside of you. But until we stop and we reflect and we say, Holy Spirit, inspect my life. Oh, listen, if there's anything that I need to get rid of, why? Because there is nothing as precious as having the weightiness of your glory and carrying your kingdom in me so that it can come through me to the world. And I don't want anything to interfere with that. So let me ask you a question. In light of that, who could you not forgive? In light of that, what could you not lay down at the cross and go, God, I'm sorry I've been acting this way and doing this and been foolish. I'm sorry that I feared this more than I feared your name. God, I'm sorry. Jesus, in your grace, can you help me in this situation, in my weakness? I know that I don't have the strength to, to change in my own ability. The only thing that you've given me the responsibility of is to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to inspect my life. But if there's anything in me, any any area that has to change so that I can live to the the value of why you created me to carry the kingdom, then Holy Spirit, will you help me? Jesus, will you give me the grace? Maybe you need to treat your spouse differently. Maybe you need to, again, forgive somebody. Maybe you need to let go of something that you've been crutching on. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. Maybe there's a time that we stop and we really just just allow the truth of who God is. That we stop and we remind ourselves of what God's done in His faithfulness. You know, sometimes what happens is that life gets busy and gets scary and it gets all these things, right? And we lose sight of His blessings. We just lose sight of it. And, and, and it's important for us to stop and just to 
reflect. If repentance is necessary, then repent. But reflection is always necessary. And there's a reason why we see this order. Because, see, Yom Kippur came first, but Rosh Hashanah came after. But Rosh Hashanah comes before Yom Kippur. Because, see, here's the truth. Is that contemplation will always precede change. See, a lot of times our method is this, is that we come and we have an encounter. We, we feel like we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And we come and we cry our tears and that's fine, that's good. We say, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, but we really don't contemplate. We don't allow the Holy Spirit in us to contemplate and say, what about my life do you want to take back under your authority? What about my life do you want to change? What about me, God? I'm totally submitted to you because I wasn't created for my own desires. I wasn't created to live on this earth 80 years or whatever and then to, to go into the, the, the ground. I wasn't created for that. I was created to carry your kingdom, and your kingdom's everlasting. See, parents, listen. Grandparents, listen. You'll live to be 80, 90, and you can live to be 120. God says you can, and I pray you do, and I pray they're blessed, and I pray like Caleb, your, your strength is strong and your eyes are bright. If you don't know where that is, look it up in the Bible. But what you have in the way of anything physical, you're leaving when you kick it. But what you give in the way of the weightiness of the glory of the kingdom is an eternal legacy. Exodus 34, God says, listen, I see the trespassers and I remember them for a couple generations. But if you read down further, what you see is this. But I remember righteousness. See, because righteousness has a legacy that exceeds past one generation or two generations. It goes into multiple generations. And this is the, the value of contemplation and saying, God, I want to have a sincere set-aside time. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you all. I love you all very, very much. And I promise you, no more Jewish feasts or festivals for another year, okay? <laughs> all right, let me pray for you. <laughs> I just want you all to laugh a little bit, all right? Just smile and laugh. It's, it's a, you guys are great. You're like, oh, my gosh. Came on the wrong day. Honey, I told you, we should have went to the light. <laughs> I pray for you. Lord, we love you so much. God, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you set these times aside for us, Lord, just to consider, to, to contemplate. Jesus, I thank you that you completed all of this. As a side note, we, we pray for our, our Jewish brothers and sisters that they would see the truth of Jesus Christ. We pray for the peace of Israel. But God, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you that as we stop and we reflect and Holy Spirit, as we allow you to take an inventory of our life, that Jesus is only through your grace that we're able to be free. 
that we don't repent and say we'll try harder. But we repent and we say, Holy Spirit, help us in our weakness. And so, Lord, for every person here, God, that finds themselves in a place where they say, look, maybe there's some areas, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me about. I just declare your grace. Jesus, your great grace over every person to say, help us in our weakness. We want to be a people that live in the awe and the fear of your name alone. We want to be a people that carry a legacy of righteousness that's passed down to our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and further. We want to be a people that carry the kingdom inside of us so that the kingdom inside of us can come through us and touch a broken world. God, and we say most of all, we say this with deep sincerity, thank you for making us your creation. Thank you that it is in your image that you created us and that you knew in spite of our sin and in spite of our shortcomings that we, your children, your sons and daughters, are your chosen vessel to carry the weightiness of your glory. So Holy Spirit, just in this moment, I pray that you just dispense that great understanding of love and value that you have, Father, for us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you just dispense the weightiness of the glory of who you are inside of us. We thank you. We honor you. We bless you. In the name of the Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 You stand to your feet.